0: that God made you to be. So for the last several months, we've been um, been using this book, Experiencing God, by Henry Blackaby as kind of a, a key to the direction where we're going with the themes in the messages. And today I'm kind of summarize some of the concepts that are in there and we're going to wrap that up. Um, but it has to do with experiencing God, right? Experiencing all that God made you to be. So Colossians chapter 1, would you stand with me? as we read God's word. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I'm going down to verse 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Let me try to summarize kind of where we've, where we've gone and the main concepts from scripture that the Experiencing God book highlights. Experiencing all that God made you to be begins with seeing that God is always at work around you. And you can see that more clearly with what I would call spiritual bifocal lenses, allowing you to see what's happening in two perspectives the upper story. And the lower story, the upper story is God's story. It's it's what God is doing because he's sovereign and his sovereign will is accomplishing these things in history. God's story is bigger than all of us and yet it intersects our lives. The lower story... Is our story. It's actually many stories of of many women and men who are interacting with God in daily life. And this grand story, the lower story, includes your life and mine. And once you recognize these two dimensions to life, you step back and you see this amazing tapestry of how God is at work. How the upper story and the lower stories get interwoven as God's purposes get fulfilled. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Upper story, lower story, interwoven. And God has been working like this throughout history. In fact, if you haven't written this down previously, write it down today. History is his story. History is his story then the story gets way more personal when you understand that God created you for a love relationship with him. The greatest commandment, do you remember it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. God is pursuing each of us for a personal relationship that's based on his everlasting love. And when we begin that relationship, then he invites us to join him in his work. God is not asking you to dream up your best life and submit the plan to him for his approval so that you can go do that. Instead, God's desire is to get you from where you are to where he is working and involve you in his plan. And when God shows you where he's working, that is his invitation for you to join him in his activity. And what you're supposed to do for God in joining him is not a secret. It's not a guessing game. Throughout the Bible, you see God speaking to people. And God has sent his Holy Spirit to us in the New Testament times to speak to us. He is the voice of God today. So he may speak to you as you read the Bible. A scripture may come alive and you realize this is God saying something to me. It may be that he'll speak to you while you're praying. He may highlight something that you hear or see. And you realize it was God trying to get your attention focused in that direction. HE MAY HELP YOU UNDERSTAND WHAT HE WANTS TO SAY THROUGH THE CHURCH, THROUGH OTHER BELIEVERS THAT YOU HAVE CONVERSATIONS WITH. GOD IS STILL SPEAKING. AND WHEN HE SPEAKS, YOU WILL KNOW IT'S GOD, YOU WILL KNOW WHAT HE SAID, AND YOU WILL KNOW WHAT YOU NEED TO DO IN RESPONSE TO HIS WORDS. This then becomes a question of obedience. If he speaks to you and you know what he said and you know what you're supposed to do to respond to his word, will you do what God says? And here's how it gets hard. Because God does not call you to do things that you can do by your own power or wisdom or strength. He will give you an assignment that is only possible with him. We're talking miracle territory. We're talking walking by faith and not by sight because you won't be able to do it by yourself. So to get from where you are to where God is working may require significant adjustments in your life. Don't miss out on all that God has for you by shrinking back and not being willing to make the adjustments in your life to get in line with God's plan. Henry Blackaby in the book says, you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. So I preached a message two weeks ago and I titled it, What Could God Do If you obey. For some of you, he may be waiting for your response. Will you obey? For others, you may be developing a testimony, a story of here's what God is doing in my life. It's miraculous. I can't do this stuff, but God's doing it because I said yes. And then if you're going to experience all that God made you to be, you're gonna to have to surrender your life to Him. I talked last week about control. We think we can plan it all out and have it under our control. Control is an illusion. You never had it. You never will. God is in control, He is sovereign. And when God speaks, revealing what He wants you to do, that revelation is your invitation to surrender to His will and say, Yes, I will. Say yes to God's way of getting it done. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. We preached from that last week, Romans 12, 1. In other words, surrender. Dedicate everything you have and everything you are to God to be used for his purposes. Well, what are you going to do about that? You're being called to live your life completely for Christ. Stop with the excuses. In light of eternity, they will seem so small, so nitpicky, so stupid. Stop with the excuses. Don't miss the amazing opportunities that God is putting before you as he invites you into a love relationship, invites you into his working here in the world, and let him work through you. Say yes, obey him, surrender to him, and live all out for him. Well, there is a sound of excuses. If you work with other people, you've probably heard some excuses. I've certainly heard my share of excuses as a pastor, especially when I'm trying to recruit people for specific ministries. The sound of excuses often starts like this. I am just a, and fill in the blank. That's the opening phrase of so many excuses. When I was a junior in high school, my excuse sounded like this. I'm just an 11th grader. See, the high school I attended had a dynamic Bible club. Um, we had a, a teacher sponsor, and she had a smaller classroom than some of the classrooms in that high school. And, uh, and we would pack that room out for Bible study. Our, our study was led by a senior whose life had been powerfully changed by God. Kelly had been a real partier that was his reputation before he submitted his life to god and now everybody knew that the difference in kelly was was a light was because of jesus and he invited his friends into that weekly Bible study, and they wanted to learn more. What happened to Kelly? Why is he so different? And he would say, it's because of what I'm learning in the Bible. you got to come and hear it. And he, that room would just pack out. Well, I got caught up in that. I heard there was a Bible study. They let us even announcement over, announce it over the public address system at the school. And I got in. But during the second semester of his senior year, Kelly began to backslide. And I began to hear rumors As people knew I was involved in that Bible study, they would say, did you hear about Kelly on Friday night? And he was going back to the same old parties. When I went and confronted Kelly, he said, Fred, I'm just going to try to reach more people. But then I started hearing the stories that he was drinking again and he was doing all the things he had done in his past life, slipping into his old behaviors. And that Bible club began to fall apart. The attendance began to dwindle, and it got down to about a half a dozen of us that would show up, and we'd pray hard for Kelly and for the kids that, that, uh, that had been coming but weren't coming anymore. And I knew it was God's plan to raise somebody else up to lead it. In fact, God was speaking to me about being the leader. The sponsoring teacher even came to me and she said, Fred, could you take this over? Because I don't think we can count on Kelly any longer. But I was just a junior. Everybody knows that juniors don't have the same high level of respect as a senior does in high school. God, I would lead it, but I'm just a junior. And so it never happened. I missed one of the golden opportunities of my life to step up for Christ because of my excuse. Here's my question for you, what does your excuse sound like? But God, I'm just a... For some of you, your excuse comes from a lie that you believe from the enemy of your soul. Your life before you found Christ, I call it the BC days, right? Your life before you found Christ. It holds bad memories that fill you with shame. The places where you know you failed, when you knew the right thing to do and you chose not to do it and it led you down a path away from God. And the enemy comes and he camps out in your shame. He Puts a magnifying glass on your failures. And you would say, God could never use me because, and you could tell the story of what you did back in those days bc days and if you believe that it can be paralyzing to your faith and it will definitely stunt your spiritual growth and your usefulness in god's kingdom so in our text today the apostle paul said to those colossian christians we have not stopped praying for you Since we first heard about you, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor God and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Stop with the excuses. B.C. was before Christ. B.C. was the old life, and it needs to stay in the past because that's where it was. But you've been changed. You've been redeemed. You have a new life, a new purpose, a new way to live. Don't live there. Don't live in the shadow of the past. Live in the bright future that is walking with God, recognizing where he's working, accepting his invitation to join him in that work. Amen, pastor. Pretty good preaching. (laughs) It's time to move into accomplishing God's will through your life and to live with spiritual wisdom and understanding, which is what the passage tells us, a life that pleases the Lord and produces every kind of spiritual fruit. Stop with the excuses. So if you uh, have the sermon notes there in the bulletin, here's where you need to start filling in some blanks, all right? So, if you're a forgiven follower of Jesus, you have a past that is redeemed by God. We all have a past, but if you're a forgiven follower of God, it's redeemed. He's able to work all these things together for good for those who love Him. Your past, don't miss this, your past does not exclude you from serving God today. Don't let the enemy continue to hammer you with excuses of, "Well, my past disqualifies me. I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. Your past does not exclude you from serving God today. And if you believe that it does, you're believing a lie from the enemy of your soul. Steve Ferrara wrote a book called "Finishing Strong." It's the kind of book a guy my age needs to be reading. And he has a section in here called, my past life does not exclude me from present service. Well, if you're writing a sermon like this, that'll go. Here's the story. He says, my brother Jeff pastors Central Peninsula Church in Foster City, California. That's a suburb of San Francisco. Not exactly the Bible Belt, he says. (laughs) Jeff got the idea several years ago of starting a Friday night service because there are so many people in the Bay Area who are in Alcoholics Anonymous or other support groups. And Friday night is the toughest, of we, toughest night of the week for them. Friday night is the night they used to kick off the weekend, but now they're trying to get off alcohol and drugs. They call the service higher power. And Jesus Christ is the higher power. Now this service would probably break all your categories. <laughs> the music is provided by a band made up of former professional musicians who have given their lives to Christ. They can still boogie, but now they do it for Jesus. And Jeff, who has this uncanny ability to relate the gospel to people who don't come out of a church culture, gets up and teaches from the scriptures. He's got them laughing and he's got them crying as he he teaches the truth. The building is jammed every Friday night. There are people there who are heroin addicts, people who have records longer than your arm and people who have lived immoral lifestyles and have AIDS. Now, wouldn't you agree that these people need to know Jesus Christ? Sure you would. And that's exactly what's happening. What's really amazing is that Jeff has taken some of these guys over and over the years discipled them, and now these same men have become strong leaders. Jeff's top three leaders have a combined total of 45 years in federal penitentiaries. These are guys who have been involved in everything from running arms to Colombian drug dealers to armed robbery to you name it. When Jeff is out of town, the guy teaching the scriptures so effectively in his place will usually be someone who did significant time at San Quentin or Huntsville. If you had thought of messing with some of these guys 10 years ago, they wouldn't have thought twice about sticking you, but now the only blade they use is the one that is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. Your past does not exclude you from serving God today, stop with the excuses about your spiritual life and what you can do for God. You have a past that is redeemed by God, hallelujah. All right, here's the second one if you're taking notes. If you're a forgiven God follower, you have a life that is surrendered to God That verse there at the bottom of the screen, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God really wants to use you in his work here on the earth. But can he? Before you ask him to use you, make sure your life is surrendered to him. Make sure you've handed over all that you have and all that you are for his purposes. We tend to argue with God here and hold on to one little thing we think is so important to our future. So then we give him all our excuses why we can't just surrender and release everything to him. We want to keep our freedom. We want to keep our freedom. How silly that must seem to God. E. Stanley Jones, I count him as a man who has mentored me even though I never met him and he's been in heaven for several years now. Here's what he said. But we want our freedom. Freedom? Freedom to tie yourself in knots, to become a problem to yourself and others. Jesus was the freest man that ever walked through human history. He is my freedom, the symbol and embodiment of freedom. When God searches for someone to do his work, he does not ask questions like, is she well-educated? Is he really talented? Does he have a great voice? Does she pray beautiful prayers? Is he a powerful speaker? No, those aren't God's questions. Instead, he asks, is her heart completely mine? Is he living a holy life? Does she love others unconditionally? Is he willing to walk by faith and not by sight? Will she trust me even when it doesn't make sense? Nazarene theologian Frank Moore wrote this, being the person God wants us to be requires a total sellout. That's what I'm talking about, a life of surrender, to God. When God finishes, when God finds such a person, He will use him or her in His work. God and that person will be friends. It'll be a love relationship like none other. And the forgiveness and the grace and the peace and the joy, the hope and the surrender are beautiful because God's at work in the surrendered person's life. And God and that person become partners together in carrying out his mission in the world. Probably exhibit A for the surrendered life that God uses is found in the New Testament in the life of the Apostle Paul. Seems like the more they whipped him, they stoned him, they tried to do away with him, the more God used him. Finally, they just threw him into prison and locked the door. Now what are you going to do, Paul? And here was Paul in prison with unshaken faith, and here's what he wrote. Because I preach this good news, I'm suffering here and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. How could Paul say that? They had done so many things unjustly to him. He could have been the one crying out for justice, getting picketers to carry the signs and say, we want justice for Paul. Instead, he's locked in a prison cell, and what can he do now? He can proclaim the gospel. That's what he can do. He can write letters all over the known world declaring the truth of God. How could he say that? I'm willing to endure anything if it brings salvation and eternal glory to Jesus. Because this was his testimony. This is how he could say it. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Paul spoke God's word, even from a jail cell, God's word pierced through prison walls and even jumped continents. Praise God. Paul's words and his works are still bearing fruit 2,000 years later. The man they beat, they tortured, then they locked up. When his enemies thought they'd finished him off, they had no idea what God could do. If you want to be all that God made you to be, stop with the excuses, jump in, surrender your life completely to God and say yes to him of whatever he asks. No more excuses because you have a past that's redeemed you have a life that's surrendered to God that leads you to a heart that is broken for the world, a heart that is broken for the world. As we read the Gospels and we, we see Jesus going to the cross, you hear the anguish in his words as you realize after three years of ministry and training 12 men, he looks at the world and is still filled with sin. as he overlooks Jerusalem, just before he's arrested and taken to the cross. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look. Your house is left to you empty and desolate. One of my prayers is that God would help me see the world like he sees the world. To recognize sin and its destruction in people's lives, pain, suffering, hurt, lostness, need. We've got a slogan that we're starting to highlight here. It's on the wall right outside this this door. It's what we're supposed to be all about. We're trying to grow to be that. Loving Jesus, spreading hope. Becoming all that God wants you to be will give you his heart for the broken world that you live in. In 1958, David Wilkerson was a country preacher in rural Pennsylvania. He read an article in Time Magazine about several young men in New York City who were being tried for murder. That was in the early days of gang warfare in the city. And something happened to him when he read that article, he couldn't shake it. His heart was so filled with anguish as he looked at the pictures of these young men that their lives were destroyed by sin. And he couldn't get the ache out of his heart, so he announced to his wife, I'm I'm going to New York City. I want to be there for that trial. I need to meet these young men and speak to them if I can. And once he got there, David Wilkerson was so overcome by a burden for the city where sin reigned, Not long after that, Wilkerson came back to his country church, and he resigned it, and he moved his family to New York City. Wilkerson's burden to reach the lost resulted in a ministry to help people to have victory over addiction. He called it Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge now has over 300 treatment centers around the world. BECAUSE IT USES THE POWER OF GOD TO FREE PEOPLE. IT'S BEEN SHOWN TO BE ONE OF THE MOST EFFECTIVE PROGRAMS TO HELP PEOPLE BREAK ADDICTION IN THEIR LIVES. HOW DO THOSE KIND OF CHANGES HAPPEN? IT HAPPENS WHEN YOU DECIDE, I AM STOPPING WITH THE EXCUSES. I'M NOT GOING TO ARGUE WITH GOD ANYMORE. It happens when you recognize that your past has been redeemed. Leave the past in the past and go with God to serve him where he's at work now. It happens when you live a life completely surrendered to God. When he speaks, you hear it and you recognize it's him and you say yes. It happens when you have a heart that's broken for the world. And then you can experience all that God made you to be. I'm going to ask our worship team to come to the front. And it's commitment time. Here's the big question. What's keeping you from experiencing all that God made you to be? Is it hidden among your excuses? (laughs) But God, I can't because I'm just a... Stop with the excuses. That might be something you need to pray about before you leave here today. You just simply say to God, okay, I stop with those. Show me what I need to know. Guide me from here. Where is your spiritual life? Is it covered with shame from the past? You've been kind of living under that? It's just been pushing you down and holding you back? Maybe it's been your excuse. There's victory over the shame of the past because the blood of Jesus washes whiter than snow. Maybe the barrier is that you're not surrendered yet completely to God. Take all that you have and all that you are and release it to God in absolute surrender. Maybe the Holy Spirit would speak to you and say, you know what, your heart doesn't care like mine for the world and I need you to, one of the quickest avenues to that kind of carrying his prayer might be that God would be calling you to greater prayer for a lost world. It's time to stop with the excuses. It's time to experience all that God made you to be. Would you stand reverently in his presence? God's here. And he's speaking. Would you say yes to him? Whatever he you feel that pressure point in your life, and it just kind of rises up in me, it kind of comes out of my stomach and up into my throat, and I know something's not right with God. Would you be willing to just step out from where you are and come and kneel at the altar? and put it down there. God, I'm stopping with the excuses, or God, I'm leaving the past behind, you've redeemed my life, or God, I'm surrendering completely to you, or God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let's pray. Jesus, this is a holy moment because you brought us to this point in in the light of your truth today, in the moving of your spirit in this room, You have purpose for us. And as you've been speaking, Lord, I pray for a spirit of obedience across this room that we would just submit to you and allow you to do your work in us, that this would be a day of victory, not of defeat, that this would be a day of rising spiritually to what God is calling us to, that you would be honored in our choices in the next few moments, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Worship team is gonna lead us in a song, but you don't even have to sing it if God and let's obey Him.
1: Worthy of every song we can ever sing. Worthy of all the praise.
0: upon your love. That's the call. I trust you've done that. As we were singing, I was thinking of a couple other songs. A song that asks the question, will the circle be unbroken? One day, probably not too far from today, maybe much closer than we think, Jesus is going to split the sky or he's going to come for us through death. And our time here will be done. And whatever we've committed to him or not committed to him is going to be revealed. And we'll answer for that. I'd like to testify today when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. How about you? These are eternal things. They're the things that will matter a hundred years, a thousand years from now. Don't miss it. As he speaks to you, just say yes. This is the best way to live. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the faithfulness your spirit brings in highlighting the truth of your word. And today, we feel like you've really done that for us. And I pray today for victory in the lives of those who've chosen to follow you that as we walk out of here, we enter the mission field, the places like you wept over Jerusalem, the places where you would weep today over the condition of our society, of our culture, the destruction of sin in the lives of people that you created and you love. And we're going to rub shoulders with some of them this week. And they're going to need to see you, Jesus. Would you shine through us? Would you speak through us? Would you minister to us in a way where there's, there's no more excuses on our part? It's just like, yes, Jesus. Whatever you want from me, wherever you send me, whatever you ask me to do, and we're going to go live and surrender to you, God so that this world will see, so your light will shine, so that we will have our eyes open, we'll recognize where you're working and hear your voice when you call us to join you. And we'll find that in eternity to be the greatest fulfillment we could ever have known in this world. And I pray that over these these people, that as a congregation, you would mold us together and use us jointly together to bless our city to make an impact in neighborhoods and families of our community, but also for each of us individually, that as we go out this week, you would make us a blessing. You would speak through us. You would shine your light through each of us in the places we go, the conversations we have. And we pray it in your mighty name, Jesus the God of miracles, the God who can do anything, the God who is at work in the upper story to bring us in through the lower story and intertwine those stories to where we tell the stories of what God did. Oh, bring us back together, I ask, so that those stories can come out and that you can get all the glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Next Sunday, celebration Sunday, we're going to do some baptisms and we're going to have communion together. It is going to be a great day. Please come back.